Good morning. We are so glad that you are with us today. Third part of a series we're doing called The Power of Night. And we're looking at this contrastive power that night has to the light of Christ. And if you are here for the first time, we want you to know at our information counter, you can get a lot of information. Today is Southbrook Serves Sunday, and that means we're going to be feeding a lot of people. We need three drivers for the next service. Three drivers. So three of you who can say, you know what, we can leave here, pick up, we'll, we'll, you pick up the groceries here, and then you deliver to a family in need. And if you can do that today, you say, hey, the brunch can wait. We are gonna, we're going to deliver some food, then uh, go out to the Southbrook Serves table out in the Reverie Atrium. It's right out, straight out these doors, and we'd love for you to be a part of that and being a meaningful uh, servant to people who are in need. We also, as you're going to hear today, on uh, August 29th, we have Big Splash Weekend. We're going to do that outside. We do that traditionally on, in August outside. And we would uh, love for you to listen today and see what God has to say to you. If you're interested, you'll notice August 22nd, next Sunday at 4, Levi Crowley and Pete Creamer are going to be leading a baptism class. So if you have baptism questions, and I know so many of us were baptized when we were very young, and it really wasn't, as you'll see today, a cognitive process, the result of faith on our part. And you say, I'm, I want to do that now. You'll see why after today. Then uh, we would love for you to participate in that next Sunday. You don't have to, to be immersed. I, was, uh, I just happened to be talking to some folks today out in the welcome counter, and I watched a bunch of people coming in, putting their checks in the generosity box. When they did that, I peeked to see what, what they put in. <laughs> No, I didn't do that, but uh, the, just so cool to see that, uh, just literally worshiping before they're worshiping, because when we give during the collective gathering of worship, that is a huge part of our worship, because it says, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, as you've heard me say many times. Everybody can say, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? But really what matters is, what are you doing with your time, talent, and treasures, your, your minutes, your mojo, and your moolah, and that's what really matters, and we want you to be a part of that today. If you did not come prepared to do that physically with the box out there, then you can do that via the PushPay app electronically. Those of you watching at home right now, you can do that on your PushPay app, just download that, and you can... You can give. Today is exciting because in this part three of being light, uh, this could happen to you this week. What I'm going to teach through this week, this story, is, is something that could happen to you literally this week, and I'm talking to you. I have a friend who's a very close friend of mine, and when I met him, uh, some here will, will uh, know who he is when I talk uh, about him. When I met him in 1993, I wasn't even sure if he was a Christian. Even though he went to a Christian college, he was borderline. And uh, no one has lived this message like he has. What I'm going to share with you today of being light to someone with the message of Christ, he has literally been responsible. There are people in this room right now because he shared Christ with them through Southbrook. It really, literally, just an invitation changed their lives. And there are people in this room who have been a part of this church for 20, 25 years because of him. And again, I'm not, sh he was borderline into heaven when I met him. I mean, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was borderline. And, and I think he's still borderline now, to be quite honest sometimes. But 
uh, it's really powerful. And, and here's, the, here's the, the, this is the series in essence that the darker the night, the bigger the light, even if it's small. Even if it's small. Your little light can make a huge difference. I, when I think of this imagery, as, as you know, I think in terms of, of movie scenes. And I think of when Frodo and Samwise were on their way to Mount Doom or whatever it was to, to, to drop the ring into it and destroy the ring of power. And when they were camping one night, they had, their little fire stood out. It stood out in the darkness so much, and they had to put it out. Why? Because a small light can make a big difference. In one of the movies of the, of the Lord of the Rings, there was that scene where, where this light is lit on this mountaintop, and this other mountaintop sees it, and it lights this light, and before long, this message is, is passing over miles and miles of countryside. Why? Because the darker the night, the brighter the light, even if it is a small light. And I'm going to share with you a story that just is so exciting because it could happen to you this week. It's happened to me, and I'll share a little bit of when it's happened to me, and it could happen to you. It, it's, it's happened many times to my semi-pagan friend that I'm, I told you about. And it's in Acts 8.26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Philip was one of the early, fully devoted followers of Jesus. He was called Philip the evangelist, the teller of good news. That's all an evangelist is, is a recruiter. That's what we call him around here. Because most people, when they think of an evangelist, they think of a sweaty preacher in a polyester suit on TV. Uh, an evangelist is just a recruiter. Some of you, you know, you get a new uh, dietary product or vitamins, you can't help but tell people about it. Because it's just who you are. You're a recruiter. You, you like to tell people about new things and new ideas and new products. And Philip was like that about the message of Jesus. And, it, and, and the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a very remote road. But it was heavily trafficked. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, some people, it's really similar to the priests who, who make a vow of celibacy. In, in the service to the queen, some would literally be castrated, which would be an exemption, if you ask me, on religious grounds from, uh, from serving the queen. I don't know that I would be that committed. But, uh, the, but some just figuratively, as they were so devoted to the queen, just, just like you know, a, a nun being married to Christ and not a, a man, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace. The Candace was the name for the queen of the Ethiopians. Well, interesting thing here. This is the secretary of the treasury in our, in our language. So this is a very influential, very uh, affluent individual. It's very important to hear. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he was obviously religious. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And we'll find out he's reading what we call Isaiah chapter 53. Maybe aside from Isaiah 6 and Isaiah 9, the most famous chapter in Isaiah. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Just go hang out. Just probably just take a break. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And you see, you get a sense that Philip is not doing this begrudgingly. 
To be a light to your world, you have to leave your cone of comfort and go to the zone of the unknown. That's, that's the line you have to cross. You have to leave your cone of comfort and go to the zone of the unknown. You have to be willing to, to just sit sometimes at a cafe, just sit and just see what conversations come up. And he saw that the man was reading Isaiah, and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this was a, this was a, a late model Corvette chariot. So it was just a two-seater. So it was kind of, I don't know. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This is Isaiah 53, the suffering servant passage. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Jesus was humiliated for you and me. Sometimes we forget that. Who can speak of his descendants? Billions now, billions. For his life was taken from the earth. It's a remarkable prophecy of what the Messiah would look like. He would suffer to establish his kingdom. Totally backwards than what most people thought of and still to this day of what kingdoms are. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and made a beeline to Jesus the Messiah. Told him, The good news, that's what the word gospel means. Every Caesar had his gospel. Do you know that? They had their proclamation of their their administration that said, this is how I'm going to bless you by being in charge. And Jesus came with his gospel. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Now, some of you are asking, what is the importance of baptism? Well, here's an insight right here. Something in Philip's description of the good news of Jesus and being a committed follower of Jesus included baptism, or else the Ethiopian wouldn't have said, hey, I'm ready to go. You ready? Here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? So something in his talk included this idea that you would, you would commit yourself by being immersed fully. That's what the word baptism means. It means it was, actually, it was actually a word used in the clothing industry. It wasn't a Christian word. It was your word used to dye. To take a white cloth and make it a purple cloth, you would baptizo it. You would immerse it. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then you can tell this man's wealthy because he has somebody driving his chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And this is why we don't sprinkle. Sprinkling happened 400 years after the church was started as an expedience. In the New Testament, it was immersion, a full death, burial, and resurrection. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. I mean, this is like Clark Kent, gone. I don't know. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. What an amazing story. Now, I want you to notice something. Did this take place in a church? It didn't, did it? Philip was being a country light. There's city lights and there are country lights. Philip was being a country light. He was out in his world and an opportunity came up to where someone who had a spirit was was open said, tell me about this. 
Now, let's be honest, this is low-hanging fruit, isn't it? Tell me what Isaiah 53 means. I've never had someone ask me that. I've never had that question asked. But Philip was listening, leaning in, and before you know it, this, this man became the first of us, many of us. I didn't grow up Jewish, I'm Gentile. This is the first known Gentile conversion to Christ. The first known Gentile conversion to Christ. Jesus said, you, you, Philip, Sally, Nancy, Susie, Steve, Bob, you are the light of the world. Philip, I'm betting on you. I'm betting on your capacity when you're committed to me to leave your cone of comfort and go into the zone of the unknown and you be the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Get out into your city. Get out into your country. Get out into the offices and just be willing to listen. Don't beat people over the head with a Bible, but be willing to listen to them. Assume that every heart is a spiritual explorer at some point. And, And when you do that, you don't put it under a bowl, you put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, it's a really interesting thing and we, we looked at Revelation earlier this year. Every church is a lamp. That's how it's described in Revelation. We are, we are a collective lamp and then we disperse and we're separate lamps when we go about into the world. And he said in the same way, you, you know that the simplest way to understand your purpose every day when you wake up is to say, I'm gonna receive the light And then when the opportunity comes up, I'm going to give that light to others that they may see my good deeds and glorify my Father who is in heaven. A real interesting thing on this, this is one of my life verses right here, Philemon verse 6. You you want to read Philemon because it's only one chapter. You say, yeah, I read a whole book of the Bible today. It takes you like two minutes to read Philemon. It's a really cool story too about a slave who ran away and stuff. But this is one of these verses that when I, down through the years, you know, I've had, is, any pastor has this, said to him, says, you know, pastor, I'm going to another church because you're just not feeding me enough. You know, I, I, if I hear that one more time, you know, but every pastor hears it. Every pastor hears it. Is, you know, like, you know, my soul's not being fed. And I always come back with, well, you know what? That says more about you than it does me. Thanks, Sheila. That's exactly when I wanted, I told you that's when I wanted you to say that, isn't it? You did it exactly right. It's perfect. Thank you. But he says this. He said, Paul says, I pray, Philemon, that you may be active in being a light and sharing your faith so that who may have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ? Who? You! If you're not being fed, it says more about the condition of your soul. You ever sit down and you fix this meal for your kids and they go, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. Well, it's not about the meal quality. It's about they ate brownies at two o'clock. And when a person's hungry, I mean, a morsel tastes great. And so one of the things about this series is this, is the spiritual explorer gets taken care of because we, are, we, can't be, we can't be doing enough in here to affect our city. We have to be out into the streets of God, going to Gaza. We, ha- you know, we have to be out there. That's where the light emanates out. So the spiritual explorer gets cared for, and they didn't even step foot into a church building. Isn't that amazing? But the spiritually convinced get cared for. Why? It's because your spiritual maturity is not dependent on me. It's dependent on you. Are you active in giving it away? 
my recovery friends here. What's the 12th step of 12 steps say? What's it say? Give it away. You don't complete the steps until you get to the part where you give away this gift. Why? It's because the, those who started the steps understood that the only way to really understand the value of something is to give it away. The gospel is only powerful when we give it away to someone who has a great need. I've told this before, but Dr. Gilbert Belazekin one time was speaking to a group at a Baptist church, and he said, he said, you know, listen to me, friends. The gospel is not for uh, you right now. He, he said, the gospel right now in this world, need, we need to make sure we penetrate the gospel through us in ways that are non-offensive in terms of how we deliver it to that playboy watching, beer guzzling, sitting on his couch watching football eight nights a week, SOB. And you know, he said this in a Baptist church. Well, you don't say SOB in a Baptist church. You don't say sob in a Baptist church. You don't get anywhere close to saying that in a Baptist church. And one of the deacons in the back raised his hand. He said, you mean sons of Baptists, right? That's what you mean by SOB? And, and, you know, th this is, this, someone did this for you. You would not be here if someone didn't share the light of Christ with you. It might have been your grandmother. It might have been your college coach. I don't know who. Someone shared the light of Christ with you. And now your mission, I'm telling you, our mission collectively is to be a light that is not hidden under a bushel. Jesus said these words. He said, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. What's our mission? To connect people to Christ, not religion. Why? People don't need more, here's how you measure up. Here's how you measure up. Here's how you don't measure up. That's what religion does. He said, no, it's not. Jesus came, and, and Don Buttry gave me this book last year called Reunion. And if you want to see the power of lose, Jesus, Jesus came to eliminate religion it is so liberating. That book does it so well. Why? He's not after, hey, I'm going to give you another way that you measure up. No, he says, I'm not after that. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. And a real interesting thing is the gospel is powerful in people's lives to people who are up and outers and people who are down and outers. Now, most of our audience uh, is probably the majority of you are up and outers, like, you know, like, life's good. And it may be tempting to look at someone like you and go, what good news are we going to have for him? He's got a 108-inch television in his living room. Well, I mean, what good are we going to do? What good news do we have? Some people are down and outers. Oh, my gosh. You know, someone who's, who's really down and out and their life is a wreck. It's, it, oh, I mean, the, we, we, the pastor needs to visit that person. The, the, the evangelist needs to share the gospel with that person. But what we don't realize is the up and outer and the down and outer, are, what's, what do we have in common? We're both out. We're both out. And this Ethiopian may have been influential and religious and wealthy. He still needed the gospel, didn't he? He still needed Christ for salvation. Look at the three things that Philip did. Philip listened to the Spirit's leading. So this, you, you, you ask, I've been saying the last few weeks, you receive the light and then you give it away when the opportunity comes up. Receive the light, give it away. How do you do that? You get quiet and you listen. You listen to God. If you, if you can get quiet 10 minutes every day, 
and you do that for weeks and months and years, you will start to hear the still small voice of God in opportunities to influence people that you missed before. Because why? You got quiet. You quieted your spirit. And this is really critical. The simplest way to receive the light is to get quiet, hear God say to you, son or daughter, you're a beloved child of the most high God with supreme value and worth just as you are today. Hear him say that to you. That's the light. His love will come running after you for all your life. You didn't meet God first. He met you first. He reached out to you first. You didn't initiate the relationship. He initiated the relationship. And when you get quiet and take that in, then you start to hear his voice in opportunities. Uh, as you, many of you know, my mission in life, years ago I established a mission. My mission is to bring heaven to earth three ways. And people always laugh when I say it, but I'm serious. My mission is to bring heaven to earth by serving my family, growing the local church, and participating in athletics. I always get a laugh out of that last one for some reason. But God wired me to be in the world of athletics. So I would say for me, my biggest impact has been in that world. And, you know, it's happened so many times down through the years that I'll be golfing with somebody that, that doesn't know me, doesn't know I'm a pastor, doesn't know I'm a pastor. And then it's usually somewhere between the 11th and the 15th hole. I mean, I've got this down to a science where they ask, so what do you do for a living? And uh, I'll say, well, you know, I'm a pastor. I lead a church. And I, I'm, just paraf- I'm just quoting here, okay? I'm not going to paraphrase for the point of making the point. Almost always the response to that is, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> and I will say, well, I hope not. <laughs> but if you think so, Maybe I could help. <laughs> I kid you not, that has happened so many times. And so and they'll laugh and you know, but that just it's an it's a it's a very non-threatening way to say, hey, I'm open to a conversation. I'm open to a con it's really funny because one of the things I, I don't like to tell people that I'm a pastor is because people's behavior automatically changes and they start faking it. It's just we pastors are so used to that, and I just don't like it. I don't like it. So one time, my friend Larry Snavely and I, we were playing golf at Kings Island at the old Jack Nicholas course, Kings Island. And, and uh, we were playing with a couple guys we'd gotten paired with. And the one guy, I mean, his language. My virgin ears had never heard language like that before. I mean, his language was just, holy cow, you kiss your mother with that mouth? Are you kidding me? And... Uh, about, we were on one of the holes that borders I-71. The reason I remember that, he had a shot so bad that I swear it landed on I-71. <laughs> and I mean, he just let a blue streak out. And then he said, where did that go? He turned to us and said, where did that go? And Larry thought he'd have fun with him. And he looked, he looked at me and he goes, I don't know. Reverend McMahon, where do you think that went? And you just see the color just drain out of this guy's face. I mean, just, because I'd never heard someone talk about Jesus as much as he talked about Jesus that day. And, and, and it just drained out of his face. So next hole, we're on the next hole, and he hits another one out of bounds. And he goes, mercy sakes alive, I don't know what's gotten into me today. You know, just, like, he, boy, he, had a, he had a transformation that was immediate. I mean, it's like, you say, oh, I can't stop cussing. Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, you can. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. 
And when, when we listen, we start seeing how God can use the context that we find ourselves in and be sensitive to say, hey, there, you know, there's an opening. As many of you know that to, so that I would stop playing basketball when I was 47, I started playing tennis, which is a really bad idea because I'm terrible at tennis. I don't play golf anymore, and I'm worse. I'm terrible at golf, and I'm still playing basketball. So I, I just like, there's no, don't do that. Don't start tennis at 47, okay? This is stupid. But I played, so... I developed this friendship with this guy, and we were, we were playing one day, and uh, here's just where these openings can happen. This is a real simple thing. He said, we're playing, and, and it's real clear, this guy, uh, I just love him, because my heart is for people who don't know Jesus, and besides, I've never been hurt by an atheist. I've only been hurt by Baptists, so I, I've only, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm prone to hang around atheists, and uh, and uh, he's, we're playing one day, and he says, uh, we just, my wife and I just got a, a six-week-old golden retriever puppy. And uh, not long before that, we had gotten a golden retriever. And I said, oh, that is so cool. I said, you know, dogs are, are, are a sign that God loves us. And he just kind of, I could tell he just kind of, you know, he just kind of looked at that. It wasn't preachy. And I, I said, cats are a sign the devil's after us, but... but, <laughs> but and he laughed. He just kind of laughed at that. And I, I love cats. I just love pushing cat people's buttons, okay? So you cat people, lighten up, Francis, you know, uh, okay? And, and, I, and, he, and he laughed. And, and then so we started talking. And, and, you know, this was after we'd been done playing. And he said, uh, yeah, I couldn't sleep last night. I said, I couldn't either. I, I, I couldn't either. And he goes, I said, why? Why couldn't you sleep? He said, well, some, some business stuff going on that's really bothering me. I said, well, what I've learned to do is, I said, the old adage says, don't, can't sleep, don't count sheep, talk to the shepherd. He says, so whatever it is I'm worrying about, I've learned to just turn that around and say, God, what do you think about this? What do you, just start praying about it. Just ask God, what do you think about this personnel issue? What do you think about this? What do you, and, just, and just before long, you're, you fall asleep on God, which I think God's okay with. I, like, I literally fall asleep. Well, God may be talking, but I'm going to fall asleep, like some of you do to me. <laughs> and, 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 and he goes, huh. And we're walking out of the courts, and we're walking by the the uh, room where there's the jacuzzi, the jacuzzi. And he looks at me and he goes, "Look, here's water. Why why can't I be baptized?" No, that's not true. That didn't happen. I, <laughs> I just totally made that up. That'd be cool though, wouldn't it? Whenever he calls, like the story ended with, he said, "Hey, I got baptized in the jacuzzi." That's not how it happened. But uh, I, I I don't know where he is today. I don't know where he is today. But do you know that the, on average, a person, this has been said for many years, I think it's true, a person needs seven light-bearing sharings of the message of Christ to, to, to get to a point where they go, okay, seven. I may have been number one. I may have been number six. My job is not to get them to receive the light. My job is to do what? To share the light. That's my job. I, I'm in sales, not management. I need to just listen to God. And see what he does through me. Secondly, Philip left his circle, his cone of comfort. Are you willing to do that? I know some of you say, I got to be careful in our company. It's so stringently anti-religious that it, I know, I know. You got to be smart. You got to be respectful. But sometimes that's using an excuse to just stay in your comfort zone. You know, my faith is personal. If you had the cure for cancer, would it be personal? Would you share that? You would. 
And, and Philip left his cone of comfort to go to the zone of the unknown. Not knowing if this guy's going to say, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear your religion, you Jesus freak. I don't want to hear that. These words, being a light often means leaving that circle. What is your circle? Sometimes that's friends. You're just comfortable hanging around and, and you know that so-and-so's alone. And I can't tell you how many times that I've gotten a talk to the hand. But it's not me they're rejecting. It's most likely it's Christ. Because after he listened and after he left, then Philip lit the path for the Ethiopian. Because that's all we have to do. Is we have to just share the light and say, hey, you know what? I pray about that when I can't sleep. I don't know where that'll go. You can do that. Because I've seen semi-pagans like my friend do it. And literally impact the eternities of hundreds of people. And this Ethiopian was immersed into Christ. Because the darker the night, the brighter the light, no matter how small. And you may think, this little light of mine, what's going to happen if I let it shine? But it's that little light that may be something that pierces the night of someone's soul. You see, we have this understanding in America that, I mean, it's like, like we don't need God now. Paul Tillich, the theologian, once said something that has stayed with me. He said, there are really three problems facing humanity that all the affluence, all the education, all the titles in the world will never solve. There is the problem of guilt. There is the problem of meaninglessness to life. And there is the problem of death. No matter how wealthy, how influential, how educated, you're never going to solve those problems on your own. Romans tells us that all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. No one righteous. There's no one who can stand before God someday and say, I've never, I've never done anything wrong, God. I've never disconnected myself from your power through disobedience. Nobody can say that. We need, we need to, to, to be connected. And the power source came to us. And we get to be agents of that power source. James said, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring him back, shed the light, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. There's the greatest gift, the single greatest gift you can give someone is without question. It's to share the love of the God who ran after us. The only time in the Bible God is seen as being in a hurry is when representing the father of the prodigal, he runs to the son. It's the only time. This is the God, you didn't initiate the relationship, he initiated it with you. And the best gift you can give someone is to say, man, I have found a love and I have found a light that is changing my soul. You see, I do think that we have a country that I know we have problems. Greed and racism and division, those aren't our biggest problems. Our biggest problems were disconnected from God. We're disconnected from the source. We're trying to legislate things that without the power of God changing the human heart, it's going to be very, very difficult. And you and I are the plan. We're the plan. It's your life and mine that is the plan to share the light on the hill that cannot be hidden.
There's an old parable about two boys named Zeke and Ned who saw a poster they got really excited about. $500 reward for every wolf. For every live wolf, $500 reward. They got excited. So Zeke and Ned one night went out in this parable. They went out and they went to hunt for wolves. Couldn't find any. Finally, they bedded down for the night to camp into the woods and wait for the wolves that they might see later. And and in the middle of the night, Zeke woke up and there's just about 30 red eyes, snarling mouthed wolves surrounding their campsite. And Zeke elbows Ned and he elbows him and he says, Ned, Ned, wake up. We're rich. And I think there are a lot of us who are in trouble and we don't know it. There's a country that's in trouble and what it thinks it's in trouble in is not the trouble it's in. We're disconnected from God. And he has come in his son Jesus Christ and said, I am the light of the world. I am the power source. Will you come to me? And the five questions we post this week for group discussion, the last one says, have you as a result of your decision, not your parents, have you been baptized in Christ? If not, why not? What are you waiting for? The Ethiopian didn't have a degree and he didn't have all the answers before he said, look, here's water. What's keeping me from being baptized and being counted among Christ? On August 29th, there is a decision that you can make that does not reflect that you are fully devoted, but it reflects that you want to be fully devoted. You're on a pathway to being his. And today, two weeks out, I want to give you that invitation. In the words of scripture, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. I taught at a company this week in which I talked about the psychological present. Do you know what the psychological present is? It's the 2.5 seconds every day that determines your life. Do I just open up social media and start doing that or do I get on the ground and start doing sit-ups? It's those 2.5 seconds that change our lives. Today, in this 2.5 seconds, your eternity could change. The direction of your life could change if in this minute you make a decision, I'm not going to be halfway in. I'm going to be immersed in Christ. So let me pray for you. Next week, we have a really cool week ahead of us because you're going to see a giant light bright. You're going to see it and see the power of when a bunch of little lights are put together. We want you to come the next two weeks. If you've been immersed, we want you to make sure you come on August 29th just to be a part of your church to celebrate the lives of people who have a huge story behind their baptism and just celebrate your baptism that day because it, it brings back memories of your baptism and it's just gonna be a great day. Uh, let's pray right now and then we'll be done with our day. And Father of lights, Father of lights, that's what you're called in scripture, Father of light. We pray that the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, that we were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord, that you say to us, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and I will shine on you. That there is that guy or gal today, that there is that student today, that there is that, you know, 
old fart who's here today that all his life he's just said no to you, but today is the day that he heard your voice. And today's the day that he decided, that she decided, that she said yes. I'm no longer six steps in to 12 steps of surrender. I am, I, that's the worst place to be. I'm fully in to surrender. Symbolized in the plunge, the big splash of the martyr act of baptism. Father, I thank you for our church. It is such a lamp to so many people. It's a today, the people who will be fed because a bunch of people decide, I'm gonna let my light shine by giving food and saying, oh, no, 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 don't, don't thank me. Thank Christ, he changed my life. I mean, just today, the amperage that we get to show, it's a privilege. You have saved us. You saved me from my shame. You saved me from my anger. You redeemed my life. And now it is yours. And I pray for that young lady or that young man right now who is saying that prayer with me. In the name of the light of the world, the hope of the world, we pray, Christ our Lord. And everybody said, amen. amen. We'll see you next week, everybody, part four, part four.